the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hello. Oops, I'm hearing a bit of an echo. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Hope you're well. We're going to be talking about how to get you to retirement today. Sooner rather than later is the goal, if we can. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I don't get a lot of calls. I would appreciate more calls, as I think they are darn entertaining at times. So let's talk about the stock market yesterday and today and some of the big stories out there. Uh, Microsoft is killing it, in my opinion. Um, hold on. Why did that not open? It's one of the. It's going to be one of those days, I think. Um, Microsoft and the Fed uh, lead to a positive start to the market today. Microsoft had real nice numbers, and that's stuff that we kind of focus in on because they're a big company, does a lot of business with other big companies. Um, so that's a sign of health. It's not the only sign of health, but it's certainly a sign of health, right? Um, so we will pay attention to that. Um, the S and P 500 has been rocking it this month after the Fed Reserve basically said we're going to lower rates in July. Awesome. Now, since then, some of the economic news that has come out hasn't been the most uplifting. So sometimes it's better than expected and that could slow the rate cuts but too early to get to that let's get to the july rate cut first uh, boeing which is the dow's highest price component is indicated higher it says it's going to take at least a five billion dollar charge in the second quarter to account for the 737 max groundings and associated delivery delays now in what book do you say i'm going to take a five billion dollar loss and it's good news I think people are assuming that it could be worse. Boeing said they're going to provide an update, uh, updated 2019 guidance. But for the time being, investors appear satisfied that Boeing has accounted properly for the 737 MAX issue and the notion that the charge is one step closer to resolving it. Um, Wall Street works in a funny way. It's the demon known versus the demon unknown. The view right now is subject to change if more bad news comes out or if you know, another Boeing plane goes down, or if they say, we just can't get this approved. One of the things that they're going to have to do is get many, many, many countries to approve it through their aviation systems all at the same time, because you don't want the United States being the first one and only one out there. So the probability of a 50 basis point rate cut in July is up to 70% from 34%, according to the CMA, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. They've got what's called a FedWatch tool. 50 basis points would be holy mackerel. Um, I don't know. Somewhere There's a chance it could happen is probably the best way of saying it. Um, treasury yields are still a story. The 
two-year treasury notes at 1.81%. Um, so th- that's the basics of it today. Strong number from Microsoft. It's the largest company by capitalization in the world. Delivered an impressive fiscal fourth quarter earnings report. Man, tell you, the difference between Satya Nadelli and Steve Ballmer, huge, huge. I'm seeing all three indices in the uh, up. I could probably say four if I wanted to. I could say the S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, the NASDAQ, and the Russell. I'm not sure why I do three instead of saying all four. Russell's smaller companies, but that's a play as well. One thing that's going to be coming up, and I part of my job is to warn you a little bit, is debt ceiling. Uh, you've heard the president's cabinet come out and say, government's running out of money and we're going to need to do something about it sooner rather than later. And it's running out of money faster. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is rejecting the White House's most recent debt ceiling proposal. The administration's two-year budget cap agreement asked the Democrats to find $150 billion in spending cuts from a list of $574 billion in saving opportunities. Um, so there's going to be a fight. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said the market should not be concerned about getting a deal passed. They always get a deal passed. Sometimes it takes longer than it should, but they always get a deal passed, right? So, but that's coming up. I think uh, you could expect August to be a pretty contentious month. A couple years ago, we had a massive sell-off on the lack of a budget in place. There's still some tensions between Iran and Trump. Trump claims that the U.S. Navy destroyed one of Iran's drone drones, and Iran said, "We don't have any drones in the air. It must be you must have shot down one of your own." Oh boy, oh boy, right? That just doesn't even sound good. So, hmm, trying to find a good story for you today to work off. Amazon is threatening to sue major pharmacy if it prevents PillPack from tapping patient drug data. PillPack is a fascinating, simple business plan, and I love it. My mom's on probably 12 medications a day, and she has been for 15 years. And one of the tougher things to do is to count those darn little pills. When you're older, your eyes aren't quite as good, and you're trying to figure it all out. Amazon's pill pack is considered legal action against SureScripts and other drug supply chain players in a dispute over patient health data. PillPack was informed this week that it will soon be cut off from patient medication data, a move that would seriously complicate their business plan. So Amazon bought PillPack for $750 million, probably about 14 or 15 months ago. And PillPack needs accurate data and access to accurate data so it can properly inform them, customers, about health and safety risks. Um, and again, the idea of PillPack is they put everything in Monday for you. They put everything in Tuesday for you. They put everything in Wednesday for you. All you have to do is now open up one, and you don't have like 60 different pill bottles that you're trying to figure out what I'm going to get to take and what I'm not going to take. Did I just take an allergy pill, or did I just take a heart medication? And when you're older, it's a lot easier to get confused. So it makes sense. Um, again, Amazon would love to be delivering prescriptions to you. You know why? Because it's one area that they're not doing it. And uh, they would sell you the prescription drug. They would deliver it to you. They would win, win, win. So Microsoft beat on earnings expectations. Azure revenue grew a staggering amount, 64%. But that was considered slowing. <laughs> Isn't that funny? 
So the stock's up 2%. I own shares of Microsoft. And what's interesting about it, it's, it's one of those companies that they used to have a Charles Schwab account 25 years ago, and I bought Microsoft. It was a different company then, and I forgot about the account. I kind of lost it. I tried to log on too many times, and it closed my account. And at that point in time, it said, you have to come into an office. For me to get to an office, it wasn't going to happen. I just never had time. I had to prove my identity at an office. So about three years ago, I found the account. And I called them up, and they're like, okay, we could reactivate it for you. And I still own shares of Microsoft. That's one where you would almost call it stupid luck. But Microsoft's intelligent cloud business includes Azure, public cloud, Windows Server, SQL Server, Visual Studio, GitHub, consulting services, and much, much more. Pulled in $11.3 billion in revenue in the quarter. Shares are up 34% this year. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. New Focus Financial has a new website. I'd love some feedback on it. You can head to it and go to newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm a big fan. Do you remember that TV campaign for the NFL? I'm a big fan. And it was usually Caucasians who weighed 300 plus pounds. (laughs) That was a little too simple, huh? Yes, I'm big into advertising. Um, I want to advertise something kind of cool. Next week, we're deeper into earnings week. And it's expected that some guys are big fans of the NFL. I'm a big fan of dividends. I'm a big fan of Oreos as well. Let's see if I can marry the two somehow. Wells Fargo and Bank of America have signaled that they're going to increase their dividend. The Federal Reserve basically does a capital plan, and they make sure uh, it's kind of a stress test that the banks have enough money, that there's not going to be a run on the banks. Back in 2008, when there was a financial crisis, Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers and others, they were a little over too leveraged. They didn't have enough cash to satisfy a bad market and instant demands for people's cash back. So we put it into a place where, okay, you're going to take some time off, guys. You're not going to give dividends anymore. You're going to build up your financial statements so they're like fortresses. Wells Fargo and Bank of America have signaled their increases as both firms received approval. So next week, when they report earnings, we're going to learn how much they're going to give back to us. I think Bank of America is going to be a big one. Um, Wells Fargo said in June that it expects to boost its third quarter dividend by 13% to $0.51 cents a share from $0.45. Cents. It yields 3.9%. So let me put it in simple terms for new listeners to the show. If you have $100 in Wells Fargo, four times a year, it's going to pay you roughly 1%. I'm rounding 3.9 up to 4% for example purposes only. Um, so you're going to make 4 bucks by the end of the year. Not too shabby. JP Morgan Chase at 3.1%. Citigroup's at 2.5%. Bank of America's at 2%. So now there's other companies who are increasing dividends. And it comes with the Oreo cookie. Uh, Mondelez used to be known as Kraft. And they bought a lot of companies and they wanted to change their name for uh, goodwill and other marketing purposes. Mondelez forecasts uh, about a 15% quarterly dividend increase. Wall Street likes dividend increases. It's a way of, in a bad market, you're getting your money. You're not getting a lot. You know, like I said, the banks are between 2 and 4%. But... In a good account, in a good economy, bad economy, you're doing okay, and that's kind of what that's all about. 
dividends are an important part of long-term returns on Wall Street. It may not sound like a lot, but when you get 8% plus 2%, 8% return in the market and 2% in dividends, that's how you get to that 10% number. Stocks that are expected to have a big second half. We're done with the first half of the year. We're reporting earnings for the flat second quarter, so the last part of the first half. Uh, there's some companies that have had a pretty good run already, and they look poised to have a better run. Um, and those include companies like Snap. Snap was left for dead. And a lot of executives fleed the company. They still haven't reported anything that's like stable, but they've they've stopped the bleeding, so to speak. Now will they so I guess they, I could say they stabilized. I'm having trouble finding words today. Where do they go from here? Planet Fitness also looks like it could have a good second half. Restoration hardware. All looks good. Um, again, I own none of those, just for the record. Um, but those are stocks that they've, they've kind of done well at the start of the year. So Lululemon has a lot of momentum uh, on execution, on product, on earnings. Take our symbol Lulu. Twitter, they had problems two to three years ago, but they seem to stabilize and start growth. Crocs. Crocs makes these cheap, cheap plasticky shoes, which are kind of beloved by children, which I don't understand. My kids miss that whole phase. Chipotle, wow, there's a drama. They tested a lot of new recipes, and they never used them. Instead, they improved their app. They improved their reward system. They improved the delivery. They improved efficiencies on what they currently were serving. It was a company that could have got in trouble with Mexican avocados. Um, so these are companies that have done pretty well. Um, Planet Fitness, Snap, Lululemon, Chipotle. I'm looking at a list of momentum stocks uh, at this point in time. Momentum is great as long as you stay in while the momentum's there. It is very, very painful if you stay in a little bit too long. So Restoration Hardware, it's a store that I don't like shopping in. I find their stuff kind of like shabby chic. It's not my kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of people are shorting it. And because of that, they have to buy shares at some point in time. Typically, you buy low and sell high. In their case, they've sold high, and now they have to buy back at some point in time. So if you have too many shorts, you're setting yourself up for a short squeeze. And when shorts do start to cover, it could pop higher. It's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, right? Now, Restoration Hardware, ticker symbol RH, is also combating the shorts by buying back shares. So their share count is falling by about 20 to 30%. And when companies repurchase their shares faster than they issue new ones, per share earnings can rise quickly. That's something that Apple has done pretty well. They have that cash and they can buy back their shares. So it looks like they're growing earnings every year, even though they're not. They're just cutting their share count. Um, that's not quite right, but that's good enough for now. Planet Fitness is a workout gym place, right? And it's got a franchise business model. So that keeps the company, the, the mother company, very, very little. Uh, their operations have very little capital, which makes its margins almost recession-proof. But they've got a national presence. And because they have a national presence and they got the franchise business model, they've got scale advantages versus local gems. If you want to get ripped and build your muscles, it's going to cost you. 
to open a gym and to get all that equipment, like a Peloton and, you know, all the bikes and such. Um, but if you're big and national, you've got 500 of them, you can, let's make a deal. So it's $10 a month to become a member. And there's ways to upgrade that membership. I think $30 gets you into any club in the nation. $10 gets you into a local club that you want to use. Another big story in the second half of the year is going to be Snap. Um, fixing its Android app and introducing new features like a gender swap filter has resulted in a surge in traffic. Now, again, the Russian face app, <laughs> I'm, some, I'm surprised people use apps that are free because if you're using an app that's free, they're going to monetize you somehow. And when you take your picture and you have someone upload it, how do you get into your, your Apple phone these days? Your, your face. It, it's just stunning to me that people are willing to quickly part with their images. But Snap has done a real nice job of surviving Facebook. And Facebook right now is in the crosshairs of the United States government. And because they're in the crosshairs of the United States government and world governments, Snap can get away with with things that they used to not be able to get away. They've monetized better. They've got growth in daily active users uh, in the first half. It could be a play. Now, everything I just talked about, I want you to consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned because they're not appropriate for everyone. And I don't own most of those names. In fact, I don't think I own any of them except for one of the dividend stocks, the Wells Fargo. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. President Donald Trump jumped into the debate over the New York Fed President John Williams' speech on Thursday. And I don't know, I've been in the financial world 25 years, maybe 23 and as long as I've been in this world, presidents in the Fed, there's, for lack of a better word, a Chinese wall between them. Um, what's a better word than Chinese wall? And is Chinese wall racist now? I don't even know. But presidents aren't supposed to comment on the Fed. They're not supposed to use the government. And let me give you an example. They're not supposed to use the government for their own advantage. Typically during the election year, so next year, the Fed makes all their moves and they're done typically by June or July, because they don't want to cut interest rates or raise interest rates and cause the market to overreact right before a president's about to be elected. A lot of us vote with our pocketbook. If the market's at an all-time high, I might say, you know what? He says some crazy things, but market seems to like them, and I'm closer to retirement than ever before. I'm sticking with this. Because Bernie Sanders may say, let's rate, let's rate everyone's 401k account and give it to uh, students. And that's as simple as it is can be sometimes, right? So we vote with our pocketbook. President Trump weighed in on a simmering debate over at the Federal Reserve, saying Friday today that the central bank needs to end its crazy tightening moves. Um, basically, a series of tweets. Tweet, tweet. President addressed an unusual controversy. Market participants initially took Williams, John Williams, not the composer, but the Fed president, his remarks as indicative that the central bank was prepared to cut rates aggressively by perhaps a half a percentage point. Trump said he liked Williams' first statement much better than his second. His second statement was, but a Fed spokesperson soon walked back on the comments, causing confusion over where the policy is headed. He called the Fed... Trump called on the Fed to stop with the crazy quantitative tightening and not to blow it by halting unparalleled growth. Uh, 
in my opinion, I don't think I'm either Republican or Democrat. I kind of hate them both because they mismanage our money, our taxes, and I think we should have better roads and better schools than we do. Um, but that's that's my political discourse. In my opinion, presidents and Congress should be creating jobs um, through maybe education or through initiatives like Make America's 5G the greatest in the world or let's repair all of our roads and our bridges. Uh, they cost us a lot of money. When you sit in traffic and you're just basically blowing gasoline fumes out of the back of your car, that costs America a lot of money. And in the past, we, we've said out loud, it kind of goes heavily to Saudi Arabia, but that's not so much as true anymore. Um, so I'd rather see initiatives. You know, you go to school for four years, you serve in the United States Army for three or four, and your college is paid for. You you serve as a Peace Corps member, and your college is paid for. I don't know. I'd rather see something along those lines. So, but again, I'm cagey, right? Speaking of cagey, um, Mark Cuban, he's not saying he's going to run in 2020, but he says Trump would win again if the election were held today. And I like Mark Cuban. He said, as of today, I think he has an advantage, but there's a long, long way to go. And a lot can happen between now and then. Uh, Cuban tried to compete with Trump and The Apprentice. Uh, I think Cubans was called the benefactor, and it was just a massive flop. Um, so there's kind of been some bad blood between the two, but Cuban is a, a legitimate billionaire, whereas we still don't know what Trump is. Cuban left open the possibility of running, telling CNBC, we'll see. Uh, you need to get in sooner than later. And if you get in as a independent, ooh, I think a lot of people will be upset because all bets are on off the table on who would get the, uh, the electoral vote. But again, that's just me being a little too political. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. He's got a new website at newfocusfinancial.com. You check it check it out while he's talking. Newfocusfinancial.com. Chad. Now. Certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He's got a radio show. He's got a podcast. There's a lot of information, a lot of good education about financial planning and retirement. I want to talk a little bit with you right now, Chad, about when I got in the industry, actively managed mutual funds were huge. Oppenheimer was huge. They had tech funds. They were sexy. I didn't mind paying 2 to 3% to get huge technology returns. But then I kind of started learning about indexing and just being the market and going with it and cutting my costs down. Um, passive investing versus active investing. I think I used to be more of an active investor. Now I'm more of a passive investor, even with the companies I buy. Uh, does that make any sense? I, I kind of like to buy companies that I could pass on to my kids. I'm very passive about it. Yeah. I mean, everything you have to look at everything. I mean, G is an example of that, right? You, you thought 20 years ago, you'd be able to hold G till the day you die, but yeah. then they, they, you know, totally screw up and buy a bunch of business at the top and sell them at the bottom. Um, and you have to look at things like dividend growth. And if that stops or a dividends cut, you got to sell a company. Um, but in terms of, I mean, when I got in the business, yeah, the average mutual fund fee was one and a half percent with a load to get in. And now companies are offering free ETFs that have no management fees at all, where you can get broad market exposure. They're going to try to sell you other things or give you less money on your cash, but you can get in and be a part of the broad market exposure, um, which is really for your first $250,000, the way to go. You get some, you know, I would do at least 20% international 
yeah. if not more like 30, um, if you're younger and more aggressive, because we're the U.S. is only you know what 25 percent of the global GDP growth now. Would you do so, Would you do international with something like Coca-Cola or, or Apple, who has sales overseas, or would you go with a company like? Citrion uh, drink, you know, like a, a company that's truly French. Um, no, you would go with an actual. So this is where you kind of stray out of the world of indexing a little bit at some yeah. point. So what I do is a mix of it all, okay. um, where we see that most large cap managers cannot outperform the S&P 500 over a long period of time. And those that do tend to leave that fund company and so the very few of those funds stay around 10 years from now. So you might get in now and then the manager leaves, right? So, so what's the point? We actually do some individual stock picking when it comes to looking at the S&P 500, whittling down the stocks that have a dividend increasing history. And it creates kind of like an index with some rules around it. Gotcha. Some funds call that a smart beta, right? It's a way to get broad exposure, but you, you narrow down your search with rules, and um, that includes rules like selling. Like if you see free cash flow decline, a, a dividend drop, over leveraging, you sell the company and you move on. Uh, but then it's around that we surround it with large cap value indexing, um, large cap growth indexing, and then for small cap and international emerging markets, I like a mix of indexing and managed. And I mean, if you've seen some of the things go on in the Russell 2000, you'll know what I'm talking about, why you might want to have some managed and some rules behind the stocks that you're picking in the small cap world. I like that. And um, I think I've made mistakes being an active investor. So I've learned to probably be more passive in my approach, because when you're active, you're like, "Ooh, Under Armour just fell. Maybe I'll buy that. And when they have a problem, it tends to be more than one problem. But I'm digressing. You know what? It's kind of funny. We're just talking about mutual funds. I got a chance to meet Dan Niles a couple weeks ago, and he left Robertson Stevens. He was in charge of their tech fund at right. one point in time. I got a chance mm-hmm. to meet him. I almost peed my pants. That's how much active <laughs> mutual fund managers meant to me in the heyday. And you're right. He left the company and started his own company. And then, so it wasn't a mutual fund. It was for wealthy, net, high net worth people. Right. And then those hedge funds, like most hedge funds are not keeping up with the market either. So that's why so many hedge funds are dying these days. But look, you, you get through points in time where you look at the Russell 2000, which is an index of small cap stocks. It's very popular right now. We're at the point where 33% of the companies in the index don't have earnings, Rob. They don't make any money. And those are pulled out when you're calculating the PE ratio, the average PE ratio of the Russell 2000. So when you get through elevated or, or late cycle issues, you could end up with more risk in certain indexes than you even know about. And then the, the leveraging inside small cap companies with interest rates so low is at a very high level too. So I want a little bit more smarter approach to my small cap picks right now than just a blind index. Super fast. Do you think passive indexing will cause a market crash? Because when it goes bad, everyone's passively investing. There's so much passive investments out there now. Will the indexing cause a bigger crash? Yeah, but the, and the farther it goes, the quicker it'll likely come back later on. Gotcha. So I think you're seeing an increased volatility because of that issue, but I don't think it'll cause a bigger crash. Sounds good. The mind of CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Sign up for the podcast, sign up for newsletters, sign up for uh, some downloadables. You can get it all at newfocusfinancial.com. So real quick, BlackRock CEO, a guy named Larry Fink, is someone I follow. He was on CNBC this morning. He says he's still constructive on the world. He says the markets will likely trend higher. He believes the rest of the world will catch up to the United States. 
He says Europe and China monetary stimulus will not be as effective because 82% of savings are in bank accounts, not assets like stocks. He believes the ECB will have to purchase equities. He does see the Fed reducing rates by 50 basis points. All very interesting stuff. A new study out from CNET says more people are trading in their Apple iPhones for Android devices. That could be a problem for Apple. Apple's best bet right now is to hang on until they get to 5G and then really wow us with something new. Otherwise, it could be this could be starting to be a little bit problematic. Carl Icahn says he wants to replace four Occidental Petroleum directors. Carl Icahn's a fun guy to watch, just like Larry Fink. Uh, he's bold. He's brash. He's very New York. He's kind of like Donald Trump, but a very, very smart, well-educated, and amazing investor. Carl Icahn. What he touches typically turns to gold. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Ooh, lots going on. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. A lot of times I talk about millennials on this show. A lot of times I talk about old people. And I kind of go back and forth between those two. In large part, um, there's financial issues, right? If you were younger, old people regret not doing things differently when they're older, And when you're younger, sometimes you don't understand what's going on with older people, right? Like elderly abuse is, it's it's bad. Approximately 4 to 6% of older persons in high-income areas have experienced some form of abuse, physical, financial, or emotional. At old old age homes, uh, elder abuse is a problem. Uh, Depression is an issue with elderly. Um, The global population is aging. The global population of people over 60 will surge from 605 million to over 2 billion people. Um, So we got to start thinking about this. Now, I'm not going to be goofy and say, you should garden when you're older. But some things that you should know about being elderly is that your retirement investments can go down. Um, And this is important that as you get older and as you get more wealth, you need to kind of protect and hedge some of that because you don't have as much time to recover. During the Great Recession, there was about $3.4 trillion of wealth lost in America. So you need to rebalance. Another truth that a retiree wish they had known beforehand is that they should have saved more money as a young person. Time is the most important component in becoming wealthy. Um, I've got a friend who is 39 years old. She does traffic, and she's saving 2% in her 401k. And she's like, I need to make more money. I'm like, you need to save more money. And she's like, well, I need some investments that I can make money off of. I'm like, you're thinking about this all wrong. Another thing that elderly people kind of wish they had known beforehand is life expectancies continue to grow. You know, when Social Security first came out, people died at age 60. Now people are living to 77, 80 years old on average. And that number has been increasing until just recently. It started to go sideways slightly down. Um, Elderly people tend not to know what the heck's going on with Social Security. I'm surprised by that. If you take it at 62, you're taking a very small amount. If you start taking it at age 70, you get 132% of your monthly benefit. So wait as long as you can. And for some reason, every elderly person I know that doesn't have a financial planner takes it immediately. And they're happy and they're proud. They're like, hey, I'm getting free money. But every year you wait, you get 8% more. That's, that's, a, that's as good of a return as the stock market. 
But again, do you lose? Do you really lose if you die? Um, a lot of things that elderly people don't know that they wish they did know was tax planning. Retirees are generally responsible for calculating and paying their own income tax for retirees whose income comes in the form of government assistance, 401ks, i.e. tax advantage savings plans. It can be very difficult to optimize your income. And you think of it like right now you've got a W-2, you work for a radio station, you work for a TV station, you work for Apple. They tell you how much you make every year. You're going to have to do it yourself when you retire. Healthcare costs is something that retirees have no concept on. It's gonna, you're going to spend about $280,000 on healthcare in retirement. That's going to be prescription drugs, dental, and vision care. For some reason, our country thinks that Medicare, Medicaid, Medi-Cal is free. It's not. You have insurance premiums. You got medical devices that are covered by insurance. Dental issues are very expensive. You probably need some sort of long-term care in retirement. I, we all know this story, right? How many people do we know that have a relative or a neighbor who they're aging and he's 78, she's 80, and she's in a wheelchair and has to be moved to a home because he can no longer help her? I'm not sure why we played that clip when we're talking about long-term care. Long-term care is more about um, having someone help you change your you know, urine and change your feces and change give you drugs. And to make sure you don't wander out in the middle of the street, and you know if you can't walk, to you know to, to clean you. Inflation eats your savings in retirement. I know you're going to say, I want to stay at home and watch Oprah Winfrey every day, but your cable bill goes up, your wireless streaming bill goes up. Uh, my mom, when my dad died 20 plus years ago, she kind of became a recluse, and she just watched TV and talked about elderly abuse. She'd watch QVC and. One, another one of the shopping channels, Home Shopping Network, I think. And she'd buy stupid stuff uh, because the, the people, she thought they were talking to her. I don't think it's dementia. I think it's a type of programming. Another thing that people don't understand in retirement is since you no longer have a W-2 and you no longer have an income, it's tougher to get a car loan. It's tougher to get a home loan. It's tougher to get money for an education for your kids because you don't have a way of, of paying it back. So you need to settle most of your financial situations before you turn 60, or at least have a big enough nest egg to take care of yourself after that. Uh, my friend who is 39, and you know, she's trying to find all, like, she's like, I should invest in REITs. Rob said REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. I'm like, no, no, you should invest in your 401k. Later, if you max that out, yes, you could set up some side, uh, some side investments, no doubt about it. In retirement, your house is probably too big. My mom learned that the hard way. She fell out of bed a couple times. It was one of those taller beds. And um, she broke a hip at one point in time, and she stayed in her own feces for three days. Could have died, but someone stopped by for some reason. You don't need a big house in retirement. You need a, a nice ranch, one level. Swap with a neighbor if you have to. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Working part-time in retirement is awesome. I don't ever want to be truly retired. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show. And check out the new website, newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.